Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. Leslie, you were just telling us about a flight debacle that you had when you were traveling. Tell us a little bit about what happened. Oh my gosh, I kept thinking about everybody because we were at the airport for over nine hours and our flight kept getting delayed and delayed. Another hour, another hour, another hour. And I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, what would some of our clients be doing in this situation, especially those clients with dogs? You know, we talked to Timothy about planning his whole day according to the dog's schedule. Timothy, what would you do in those types of situations or have you been in that situation? Well, luckily we haven't been in that position yet, but uh, I I don't know what I would do. Uh, Thank God in some of, most of these airports, there's a relieving area in the, uh, inside the airport, but there are some that don't have them. And uh, the feeding and the watering, that would just, just mess up my whole day. I was, I got a friend who was in Columbia, South Carolina, and their flight was delayed by 12 hours and there was not a relieving area in that airport. So they had to go outside of the security area and come back in. So it just throws a whole monkey wrench in the whole thing. So I, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, myself having to, I've had layovers where I had to stay overnight and all of that, but taking care of a dog as well, that's a whole nother level of uncertainty. And I, I've heard so many people's flights getting canceled. I'm nervous to book my next flight, to be honest. (laughs) I just kept thinking I was so grateful that I didn't have the kids with us. You know, it was just my husband and I sitting at the airport. So we just kept laughing, quite honestly, because at one point it was just comical. But I just felt so bad for the workers. They were doing their absolute best, but it was just such a terrible situation. We ended up finally getting canceled and had to hurry up and find a hotel and Ubers and all of that. So it's just something to think about, you know, being prepared for those types of situations. Make sure you have your Uber and your Lyft app already downloaded on your phone and accessible. And then another thing to think about for clients with a dog or without a dog is advocating for yourself. We talk clients through this airport situation all the time and we say you're going to get assistance. They'll take you right to the gate. But a lot of times then you're at the gate by yourself. So being able to advocate and ask others around you or the gate attendant, you know, where's the nearest restroom? Um, is there a place I can get some food? Things like that and kind of learning your surroundings and being able to speak up for yourselves especially in those types of situations. But of course, all very doable, and we hear our clients doing it all the time. Um, But just things to think about when you're prepping for those vacations or trips and things like that at the airport. And always have things in your carry-on bag. (laughs) Yes, I always have have Glacier's diaper bag with some food in the water. Yes, that diaper bag comes in handy because one time I did not have a change of clothes and got a layover, and that was not fun. The conference that I was at, a couple of the attendees never got their luggage. And that happened to me one time in Chattanooga. I'll never forget it at a work conference. And luckily, I was with coworkers who let me borrow a sweater or something. So I could at least change a couple times, but it was awful. Um, so, yes, I have now learned to always take a little few extra things in that carry-on bag. It's totally worth it. <laughs> so everybody be prepared for all the trips. I know it's crazy right now, but hopefully everybody's enjoying getting out there and seeing people more. Uh, But today we are actually wrapping up season two, and we're talking to our chief philanthropy officer. With Melissa's leadership and experience, LeaderDog is able to provide all of our life-changing programs and services to clients for free. She's an amazing asset to the team, and to quote her, absolutely brilliant. (laughs) And joining us today, like Leslie said, is chief philanthropy officer Melissa Weiss. Melissa leads the international philanthropic fundraising efforts at LeaderDogs for the Blind. With more than 15 years' experience in fundraising to serve people who are blind or visually impaired, 
Melissa has raised over $115 million, diversified and grown Leader Dog's revenue streams and led successful $14.5 million capital campaign for the Canine Development Center. She oversees Leader Dog's philanthropic efforts, including major and planned giving, foundation giving, annual giving, estate giving, donor relations, and stewardship and Lions Club giving, which encompasses over 4,900 participating clubs nationwide. She has achieved year-over-year revenue growth and a 40% increase in major gift giving to the organization. Wow, Melissa, I'm really <laughs> impressed at how much money you've raised. Thank you. <laughs> so please tell us where you're from and how you got to Leader Dog. Thank you, Timothy. First off, I raise it with the team. You know, it's a collective effort for all of us at, at Leader Dog. And actually, I uh, was not raised in the United States. I was raised in uh, New Zealand and Singapore, uh, Malaysia and Japan and came to uh, Leader Dog by way of Christie's, the London-based auction house. I was uh, working in London, uh, working with high net worth individuals, philanthropists, humanitarians, and uh, my mom and dad were here in Michigan. And I remember sitting at my desk, uh, right right on King Street, uh, working at Christie's, and my mom ringing me and saying, I was at Meyer and I saw Leader Dogs. And I thought, gosh, that seems so distant, you know, so far away. Uh, but I was so intrigued, and she, it was obviously such a meaningful encounter uh, for her. And as I uh, sort of progressed in my tenure at the auction house and meeting people who were committed to philanthropy, I decided I wanted to move to the social sector. So I came back to the United States, and I volunteered at Leader Dog in the Canine Center with people we all know so well over there. I just learned so much about the Leader Dog story starting there with these people who are so committed. So that, that was my journey to Leader Dog. I've been here almost 20 years. So uh, it, it's certainly been a privilege to be here. Yes. I mean, you just said you started as a volunteer. I did. And <laughs> now you're the chief philanthropy officer. Yes, that nice. is Absolutely <laughs> amazing. How did that process, how did that journey happen? So that is, uh, it's been a wonderful journey and one I'm very grateful for. Uh, I, when I was working in the Canine Center as a volunteer, I, I walked over and I said to our then CEO, Bill Hansen, who did so much for this organization, I said, I, I have some experience, you know, working with um, different kinds of individuals. My whole career has been relationship building. Uh, I, I think I could you know, assist you here. And they let me come in just on a um, contingency part-time basis and do some uh, philanthropy. And it's grown ever since. Our department was very small then without the diversification of resources we have now. So that's where my journey started. I think that's crazy. We hear all the time, everybody, once you get to this oh, Leader yes, Dog campus yes. and you see the relationships that are happening and how we're helping individuals and this dog and human interaction, it's just crazy. It gets everybody right, so Leslie. involved. And I love your story of starting really as a volunteer and learning the full organization. Yes. So now when you speak about the organization, do you feel like that really impacts your message and what, what you're relating to the, the donors? Absolutely. I think philanthropy um, is based in volunteerism. It's a voluntary act to do good, a voluntary humanitarian act. So understanding volunteerism is such an important part of nonprofit uh, leadership and management and serving as a leader dog volunteer and then later as a puppy raiser 
really helped me uh, become a part of these extremely special communities. And I remember as a volunteer, I moved from London, so I did not know how to drive. (laughs) I I took the tube and the bus everywhere I went in London, so I didn't know how to drive. I was waiting for my dad to come and collect me at Leader Dog. (laughs) And I was watching Keith McGregor Mm -hmm. teach a client who is deaf and blind how to use the doors. And I was watching Keith do this. And that was my moment of I have to be here. There is so much to do, so many people to reach, and I want to work with people like that. So you said you raised a puppy. What was your experience like doing that for the first time? Thank you. Yes, as, as I was raised in Japan, I, I, I love everything Japanese, and I named her Mochi after a little Japanese sweet cake. And uh, she now is a working leader dog in Madrid, in Spain. And I just felt that year... The, being part of the puppy raiser community, the support that you get from counselors and raisers and from our puppy development department, and let's face it, the whole world greets you with a smile <laughs> when you're with, yes. with your dog puppy. Um, anything takes a little longer because people are so interested in the mission. You're, you really are an ambassador. So I, I always consider myself um, a puppy raiser proudly. Absolutely. And so now you're chief philanthropy officer. What a journey that has been in these 20 years. What is the day in the life like for a chief philanthropy officer at Leader Dog? Thank you, Leslie. A a very interesting question. I, um, as you know, uh, Leader Dog's revenue is generated entirely by philanthropy. So meaning we have no state or federal funds, no fee for service, no insurance. So everything has to come from philanthropy. So my role and the role of the team is very urgent. So I would say there's an incredible pace to every day. It could range from, as I sit on the senior management team as well, focusing on the organization's strategic plan and the three-year budget that accompanies it so we can create a vision and a path for the future for our services. Then I could be meeting with a long-standing donor group like the Corvette set who've been supporting us for years and discussing their next solicitation and their event plans. And then it could be um, a tour of an individual who wants to come and donors invite us into this very sacred and special place where they're trusting us with their story, with their philanthropic dreams. So they might be at a very emotional point in their lives. And it's sitting down with that donor and, and listening and listening to their story. It could be partnering with a leader dog client and flying to Lubbock, Texas and talking to a event there. Uh, there's just so much that happens within the course of a day. And that's what I love so much. It sounds like, I mean, I know my job as well. There's never two days that are There's like, not. <laughs> which is amazing. Yes. And it's so exciting to be a part of it. And Melissa, for you, we've mentioned previously that you led one of those, the largest campaign in Leader Dogs 80 plus year history with our canine center. Yes. And that was huge undertaking. What was that like for you? And how important was that project for you? Because especially you volunteered in that building. Yes. That's so true. Um, Starting there and knowing some of the challenges our team faced in that building, it it was dated over a period of time. And really, we knew the time was coming for a substantial renovation to create a better environment, not only for our team, but for our future leader dogs in training. 
So the exciting part of that was with the team, with our constituents, uh, visioning for what that building could be, what that space could look like. And a critical outcome of that was a space where we could tell the leader dog's story more clearly. And if you walk through that building now, it's easier to refer to the puppy area or the centrality of the veterinary clinic and explain. I really like the sign we have there that explains the types of diseases of the eye, which, which unifies what goes on in the residence and our canine center. But every time I'm in that building, I hark back to something Leslie will be very familiar with. I was there many years ago with two small girls with their small pink canes, and they were on a site tour with their um, parents to see Leader Dog while they still had some visual acuity sort of planning for their future. And I always keep them in mind because all of our philanthropy is building a future for the clients of tomorrow. So knowing that our physical improvements like the Canine Center will impact those young girls when they're ready to come for our services. So the building um, was almost beyond the physical, <laughs> knowing what was going to happen within that. And then all the many incredible people, I traveled extensively throughout the country to solicit for this campaign. And, and, and you'll recognize this in the spirit of lions. I was on the border of um, Arizona in a place called Cochise, and I met some lions there. I was with one of our great clients and leader dog advocates, Tom Simmons. And um, this club made a commitment to, um, to give a gift for the capital campaign. And I invited them to come to leader dog. And wouldn't you know, one day, driving up all the way from Arizona, there they were at the Canine Center <laughs> oh saying, gosh. we want to see it. And it's that kind of story that the community that surrounds us, that's so important, that makes that building so special. In fact, the whole Leader Dog Campus. Uh, and I think it's a great example of our promise. We operate on public trust, as you know. When, when a donor makes a gift to us, our, our covenant is we will use those funds to advance the lives of people who are blind or visually impaired, that we're going to stand alongside those people and alongside them advocate for a better, more inclusive world. And that is a, a significant um, responsibility and an exciting one. I was just thinking that. So you took on that whole campaign, which was separate from just like annual yes. funds that you had to receive. Is that correct? That's correct. The team are raised both our annual operating revenue and the campaign revenue, which was wonderfully exciting because uh, what you see with a capital campaign is momentum's created. Mm -hmm. It's a very tangible piece. So uh, donors got excited. The public got excited. It was a new window onto our world. So it was a challenge uh, and a really good one. Yeah. And Melissa, uh, you mentioned lions. Yes. You yourself are a lion. Um, this is kind of a two-part question. You know, what do lions mean to our mission and why was it important for you to become a lion? Lions are such a beautiful, intrinsic part of our mission, um, being that they founded the organization and that Helen Keller challenged lions really to carry this forward as a commitment um, to advocate for people who are blind. And uh, with that, being exposed to the tremendous humanitarianism of lions, whether that be uh, in natural disasters here in the United States, international humanitarian relief work, lions are always there. So for us in advocating um, 
and partnering with Lions, whether that be for a gift to the organization, whether it be for um, support for our client application process. Uh, there's there's so many ways Lions contribute. It's wonderful and, and very helpful in philanthropy that uh, we show our supporters that we're in this too. We're fully committed as well. And for that reason, I'm very proud of the Lions motto, we serve and to serve alongside them. And my colleagues and I travel everywhere speaking to Lions clubs. So we get to see our clients in communities around the country, whether that is, you know, in, in Ocean City, Maryland, or uh, in Texas, or even Honolulu. They're, the Lions are everywhere <laughs> and advocating for us everywhere. Melissa, not many people can say they've been associated with raising that amount of money. Mm. So how has that impacted your life, and what is it like seeing the fruits of your labor? Well, thank you, and I will always say the fruits of our labor because philanthropy is such a um, collective process, creating a culture of philanthropy. And when you walk through Leader Dog, people will emerge from wherever they are to say hello to a donor, to talk to a donor, which is... Um, so so meaningful for anyone visiting our campus. I will say for me, being a part of this mission, I, I um, every single day I have, it's crystalline clear for me what I'm doing and my purpose. And, and Timothy, you'll note so well stories like this. I was once meeting a client in Grand Central Station in Manhattan and to see him navigating, you know, the complexity of an environment like that. Um, to think of the puppy raiser behind that, the breeding host family behind that, all of our team, to be a part of that is, is, is such a responsibility and a privilege, and uh, there's so much more for us to do together. That's what excites me. I love hearing you talk and talking about the trust. That's one aspect that I really haven't thought about is that our donors and our volunteers and all these other uh, people involved in LeaderDog, the trust they have in us and the trust we have in them yes. too, to continue to support us and help us with our mission and help serving individuals. I just find that so interesting and such a an eye-opening way to think about it. You know, yes. I guess I hadn't really thought about their their connection with us. And I think you do such a great job of sharing the Leader Dog mission Thank and you. traveling around. I know clients often speak of you as well and Thank share, you. you know, they know you personally. They've got a connection. They've got a story. And I think that goes such a long way. Previously in the season, we talked to Sue Daniels, yes. president and CEO. And listening to both of you talk and any Leader Dog team member, you really hear the passion behind what we do and kind of what motivates you. But is there anything specific that really keeps you motivated and keeps you going in a day-to-day? -day? Thank you, Leslie. And I, thank you for um, speaking of Sue Daniels. I listened to her podcast and just hearing her speak motivates me because having CEO support of philanthropy is critical, especially in an economic um, uh, sort of model like ours where philanthropy is the sole source of revenue. Sue is... Um, unequivocally committed to philanthropy, which is, is very meaningful for our entire team. And I think that trust you spoke of is something that motivates all of us in our work. When we come alongside a donor, there's so many social causes that people can be passionate about in our world, so many meaningful and good things. And people are donating to us because they want to impact the lives of people who are blind. And so that is uh, an important partnership that we 
sometimes at these very emotional moments, as I indicated earlier, we have a significant part of our revenue that comes from estate giving. And to see a gift, which we often refer to in philanthropy as the ultimate gift, someone who might not have had an heir to pass on their funds to and is leaving these funds to us so that we can reach more O&M clients, reach more guide dog clients, refine our services. Uh, it's wonderful to have that, that partnership. That motivates me. And I love working with our clients. I, I love that. Um, I think uh, my um, friend Jeff Hawkins always says, uh, nothing about us without us. And I think it's really important when we advocate and speak to donors that donors hear directly from our clients. That is such a meaningful conversation. And we, when we can create that space, and then my colleagues and I step back and let that conversation happen. I think it's so amazing and so impactful. I started at Leader Dog in August 2021. I'm, I'm still a newer team member. And the first time I even got to sit down and talk with a client yes. changed my life. I knew that this was the job for me, that I had found my path. And I talk about it to everyone. So hearing you say that, Melissa, really just validates that as well. And, um, you know, you talked about how you're aligned and how people have to trust us. But we would be remiss to not congratulate you on becoming the president of the Association Thank of you. Fundraising Professionals for the Greater Detroit Chapter. Thank you. But you also sit on a board committee for the American Foundation for the Blind, and you're involved in numerous groups, associations. I mean, I don't know how you have the time <laughs> for it all. But, um, you know, you talked about the importance of trust. Is that part of the reason why you feel it's important for you to be a part of these other chapters and these groups? Thank you, Christina, for that question. Uh, I think it's very important for any uh, nonprofit leader, experts in our field, to understand the external environment that we operate in. Uh, we work in a competitive landscape for funds where there are um, many different thought leaders, many new innovations in how to partner with donors to further a mission, uh, new technologies emerging in fundraising. So it's always wonderful to meet colleagues in the field, see what they're doing, see where there might be intersection with the leader dog mission and where we can support each other. And we do that often. Uh, so it's been a privilege to work with nonprofits in our community show that Leader Dog is a part of that community and also support up-and-coming leaders in the nonprofit profession. And uh, personally, as a uh, fundraiser that is committed to this space, um, fundraising for and with people who are blind, I feel uh, working with the American Foundation for the Blind and the leadership there has been a really important advocacy piece. Uh, we have the same mission in many ways, so to support their efforts helps me learn as well. Um, like I do every day when I speak to one of our um, internal experts, we're sharing that story. So I think it's very important to continually educate oneself about that. Absolutely. And I love this field in general. For those who are not involved in the blindness and low vision field, it is such a community. It is. 
every organization is working towards the same mission. We share resources, we share technology, we share what's working, what's not working. And that goes amongst um, all blindness and low vision organizations. That's guide dog organizations. Everybody is all in this together. And there's plenty of space for everyone. And one of the things we like to do is share resources. I think that's so important that you're on other boards um, and really sharing, you know, our expertise with the guide dog aspect of that. That's so important. And I just, I think that's so critical. But I'm also curious, you know, in your role, you have so many things going on, as you've mentioned. What would you say is like the most challenging part of your role? I think the challenge for all of us in philanthropy is um, the urgency of the funds. We know that our success is uh, important for the the foundation of Leader Dog. I would say as well, we're constantly stewarding the wonderful relationships we have, cultivating our donors, but also developing new ones, reaching out further, being very expansive. Uh, So there's always that um, balance that has to be had, appreciating the donors that have I mean, we have tremendous loyalty amongst our donors, uh, stewarding those donors, reaching out to new people. And I think that's where philanthropy is such a meaningful profession because we get to work with all different types of people, get to be a part of their story, whether it's a career change dog going to a wonderful home, whether I'm um, speaking uh, with a client to a group in a, a vastly different part of the country. It's uh always a community, always together. Uh, and, and that's what I like, that kind of camaraderie we have around this mission. So what does it mean when you see so many people coming together t- to support Leader Dog for the Blind? It's, it's very singular, isn't it? I think the immediacy of our mission. Uh, I was at Leader Dog on Saturday and I was hunting for a cup of coffee. And I saw <laughs> one of our uh, O&M clients going home to the UP. Oh. And uh, he was saying to me, it's my first time really away without anyone in my family. And he said, I just, I wish I'd done this sooner. I wish I'd done this sooner. And I hope I can see you again in 60 days and get my dog. And I thought, gosh, that's all I need to hear. I'm running right back upstairs. I'm calling more people. I'm doing more things. <laughs> this is so exciting. That, that kind of immediacy of our mission, I think we all feel it at Leader Dog and the fact that it happens on our campus, but also in communities around the country. I love waking up in the morning and imagining all of our clients living these really different lives. And we are a wonderful part of that. And we host these wonderful client celebrations at Leader Dog. And to hear our clients' comments, and I always say, please stay in touch with us. We want to be a part of your story moving forward. I love the client celebrations. I've been lucky to join a few, and I know that was a big push. You were really... Yes. Um, wanting those to happen. And I think they're wonderful. It's a great opportunity for team members to get up and share fun stories and the impact clients have made on them because it's a two-way street yes. all the time. We are, as the professionals here, are constantly learning and gaining and and just, I guess, getting better because right. of what our clients are saying to us. Um, and so you join those often or as often, I know, as mm-hmm. you can. How are those for you? I mean, what's your favorite part? I love the uh, celebratory note that let's mark an occasion. Coming to Leader Dog is an occasion. Being here, um, committing yourself to to this program, to the collegiality with your fellow clients in class, developing that peer group and support system uh, for the future. I love to hear clients speaking to each other about their experiences. Uh, I think that is so meaningful in developing 
an alumni association, really. Uh, so I love that. I love the celebratory nature. We often ask, would you love to take a photo afterwards? And everyone <laughs> takes us up on that to have a photo with our wonderful GDMI and comms instructors. Timothy, what was your celebration ceremony like? I believe I was one of the first ones yes. that was done. It was, yes. I believe it was. And so it was awesome. Oh, man, Lord, that food was good. I thought it was a fancy <laughs> restaurant there. I mean, I, I, I felt like I was underdressed. And so I, I, we, it was a great experience. We all got to, you know, if you wanted to say something, which, of course, I did. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Timothy. So uh, it was great. And I, I'm glad you all do that. It just it finalizes everything yes. and it sends us off. And I loved it very much. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I think it talks about all the work, you know, that the clients put in during their stay yeah. with us, whether that be for O&M or Guide Dog. It's just a great way to come together and acknowledge all of the work that everybody's put in and the time and the effort, but also to talk about all the work that's ahead. And then also a part of that is really talking to our clients about becoming ambassadors, yes. such as yourself, Timothy, of just sharing that message of, the best way that you can help Leader Dog is spread the word of Leader Dog. What we do, spread the mission, tell somebody your story. And I just think they're absolutely, absolutely. wonderful. Yes, <laughs> I do too. Yes. And I'm Melissa, I, we have to end with looking at the future. So mm. what do you see the future in philanthropy at Leader Dog is? At the end of my um, day, my working day, uh, that's the time when I take our donor letters and I, I personalize my thank you to our donors. So it's always a re very reflective time in the day for me. And uh, imagining these donors and what the donors of the future will, will want to be a part of, what I would like to see is uh, an increased regionalization because we are in every part of the country, really being more committed to specific regions through major gift officers, philanthropy individuals in different parts of the country, really establishing those relationships. I see through the continual refinement that you were alluding to earlier, Leslie, of our instruction, listening to our clients and understanding what's to come, the evolution of our services, whether, you know, that be advancements within our mobility services or other aspects of serving um, our clients. I think bringing our foundations, our corporate support, our individual donors around the mission as we move forward is incredibly exciting because we know Leader Dog is always evolving, always growing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us today. Thank you to you and your team for the incredible support that they provide all of us at Leader Dog, including our clients. And thank you so much for listening to Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Christina Hepner and Timothy Cunio. We hope you enjoyed learning about our chief philanthropy officer and her impact on Leader Dog. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. And if you'd like to learn more about applying to Leader Dog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. And if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream. 